This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome to the pilot episode of I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often unappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll. And today we are discussing the incomparable Viola mm, Davis. Incomparable, that's a good one. We have three days to look and move like a team of men. The best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off. She's won an Oscar. That's pretty, that's pretty appreciated in my book. <laughs> and a Tony. Two Tonys. Yeah, two Tonys, yeah. yeah. An Obie, three Drama Desk Awards, five SAG Awards. God, the list goes on. So when did you first see Notice Viola Davis in a movie? Um, probably It was probably The Help, which came out in 2011, I'd say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really liked the, the Help. Um, I don't think I've seen it since it came out. Uh, or since I watched it at Christmas. I might have been 2012 that I watched it Christmas of 2012. That movie's, it's got its problems. It's not as bad as Green Book. Totally. Um, but it has its problems. Most often, because mostly, mostly because I think like made characters are kind of outdated for black women. And it's not, not that they shouldn't be on screen anymore. Like they, it's a vital part of history and film history. But uh, I don't know, it's, it takes a certain level of nuance to write them and portray them, which I think Viola Davis does exceptionally well. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, from yeah. cramming a bunch of her movies in to prepare for this podcast, what I noticed about her oeuvre mm. is that I've never seen someone shift between playing sort of subservient characters, mm. like supporting characters, yeah. like maids, housewives in these period movies, but then figures of authority yeah, yeah, yeah. and very powerful women yeah. in you know, widows, more modern day yeah, set stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think Widows actually kind of blends the two because yeah. she transitions yeah, from yeah, one yeah. into the yeah. other. Um, the first time I noticed Val Davis is, I think you're going to roll your eyes because I talk oh, about this go. all the time. It was Black Hat. Black Hat. Oh, God. Uh, Black Hat was, a co-worker once told me about Black Hat and he said it's a film where Chris Hemsworth plays a hacker and like I cannot imagine a role more unsuited to Chris Hemsworth. He just doesn't strike me as a smart man. <laughs> Attractive, charismatic, sure. Smart? Mm, not so much. Did the cool thing is, like I thought that when I, I saw Black Hat in the cinemas I was the only person there with my father my father's okay. a huge Michael Mann fan yeah, who's director yeah. of the movie you might know him from classics like Thief yeah. Manhunter Heat The Insider Collateral Miami mm. Vice who better to tackle a movie about hacking yeah. than an old um, an old man <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah and I remember thinking like oh, Thor playing a hacker like this is crazy mm. watch it again now that I think Chris Hemsworth is sort of you know Proven his talents as an actor, yeah. it's, it sort of didn't bother me as much. Okay, yeah. That element, yeah. element of it. Um, but do you, do you know what Black Hat's about? Tell me that this doesn't sound awesome. Okay. Okay. Chris Hemsworth plays a computer whiz named I'm already Hathaway. Out. <laughs> in Hathaway. The, in the trailer, they say the lines, um, we need a Black Hat hacker named Hathaway, which they don't say in the movie. <laughs> and I think that was the bit in the trailer which made everyone just not go yeah, see the movie. Yeah, that's, that's, that'd make me not want to see the movie. But when we meet him, he's in jail for doing unauthorized hacks, um, and he uses this time to build both his body and his mind. So I might imagine that Chris Hemsworth, before he went to jail, mm. didn't look like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, but yeah. He, he has this he whole became sp- incredibly attractive in jail. <laughs> he has yeah. this speech where he's like, "I don't do their time. I do my time. I use this time. I have a system. Work my body. Work my mind." And um, he, however, when a black hat hacker, uh, a bad hacker, these they're called black hats, uh, like how bad guys wore black hats in old westerns. Yeah. Uh, causes a Chinese nuclear power plant to melt down and targets the US stock market using an altered version of code that Hathaway created. He's recruited by the Chinese People's Liberation Army and the FBI fronted by Viola Davis to help find the culprit. Together, the group track down the hacker to an Asian country where Hathaway challenges him to a screwdriver fight during a parade. And that's the finale of the movie. 
all of Michael Mann's movies are about um, crime. Yeah. And yeah. I think it kind of forfeits like a trilogy. Public Enemies is about, um, you know, walking into a bank with a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miami Vice yeah. is about drugs coming international. And Black Hat's about how people nowadays, um, the people who know how to code, they're the villain. Yeah. You know, they're the yeah, people yeah, yeah, who, yeah. you know, control everything. To prepare for the role, Davis uh, met the head of the DAA at the time to, uh, you know, who's a woman to sort of, yeah. you know, get an understanding of her character. And she said that uh, she was struck by how this person seemed so normal. And uh, I have a quote here from her where she says that there's a sense every time you see an FBI agent in film um, that, you know, there's an air of ultra masculinity, mm. authority and strength. Yet her air of intelligence and authority was just in her. It, it was nothing she felt that she had to overdo. Yeah. OK. So yeah, Dave, what's really cool about the movie is that Davis plays the character really realistically, um, something which after years of over the top portrayals of FBI or CIA okay, figures yeah, um, yeah. was a real breath of fresh air to me watching it as a kid. And uh, re-watching the movie, I rewatched the movie for this, but having not seen it since it came out in 2015, I weirdly remembered all her scenes in it. You locate this guy, you're okay. You get discovered, you're dead meat. You know that, don't you? She's sort of the heart and soul of the movie because um, she plays uh, most rarity scenes with this faint sense of wearinism and tiredness, something which fades as they get closer to nailing the hackers. And then there's this one scene where she shouts over the phone to her boss, who's John Ortiz. Yeah. And he wants to pull the operation just as they're getting close to it. And she, like, says something along the lines of, like, they can drop the hammer any time. Uh, people will die. We can stop them. And he replies, like, enough of this 9-11 paranoia. Yeah. And she says, you didn't lose anybody. Ooh. So, like, in just one line, yeah. you understand yeah, the yeah, entire yeah. character. Yeah. Like, why is she so driven, slightly cold, sort of melancholic? Yeah, I can hear the delivery in my mind. You watch another movie where Belle Davis plays an uh, authoritative figure. Yeah. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Oh, God. Yeah, that's uh, that's a film. It's a it's a whole lot of film. Uh, not all of it good. In fact, almost none of it good. <laughs> uh, Viola Davis is possibly the only good part of it. Uh, like, she, I, like at the start, her, her introduction is like, "Oh, she's an exposition machi- machine." I hope she's only in the first fifteen minutes of this, so I don't have to watch the rest of this shit show. Uh, but no, she's in the whole movie. Uh, but imagine my surprise when she turned out to be the best part of the movie. Complete the mission, you get time off your prison sentence. Fail the mission, you die. Anything happens to Colonel Flag, I'll kill every single one of you. At the end of the movie, she's like possibly the actual villain. Hmm. Like she's like she rec- represents like the American prison industrial complex of like basically using prisoners as slave labor just because they've done something horrible and in fairness this Suicide Squad have done terrible terrible things and like keeping them in inhumane conditions as well so um, I I won't say she's evil because I don't think any of her characters are evil I think she always gives that kind of nuanced portrayal that makes you at least empathetic or sympathetic to them uh, while still being able to criticize their actions as wrong I definitely think she's the closest that um, Amanda Waller, who's the character she plays, yeah, is the closest Amanda, well, yeah, to yeah. her uh, villain. Because there is a scene where she, doesn't she like shoot like she four? shoots like four interns or electronic <laughs> yeah. m- uh, technicians? She's bam, 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 easy as pie. Oh, it's and it's like, why did you do that? Yeah, and she's Jesus. like, none of them were authorized. It's so fright. It's such a fr- frightening scene that you're like, yeah, of course, I'll take any explanation she she could give. But her explanation is really convincing as well. The whole reason everything happens in Suicide Squad is because. She has this plan um, to control Cara Delvine, yeah. who was possessed by this ancient evil, evil spirit. Yeah, and her way of doing that is like she pokes like a heart. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like that's the only thing. And yeah. they're like, how can you monitor this? Like, how do yeah. you know it's going to be? Fun? Oh, it's fine. And yeah, she's just yeah. like poking it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because Suicide Squad is weird because 
it's such a waste of potential in a movie that ostensibly should work. Like, it's a superhero movie, and, you know, superhero movies basically do nothing but work these days, provided that they've got, like, kind of decent special effects. And Suicide Squad has some decent special effects. Some of them are awful. Yeah, the, uh, the kind of gloop man I don't like. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him, but I think the after effects of his kind of gloopy attacks, like the way everything seems frozen in, like... Yeah. Like, kind of... It's burnt outwards and then just frozen in time. Mm. I think that effect works really well. Other, I mean, all the effects to do with Cara Delevingne are terrible. Oh, uh, much, much like her performance, uh, which I don't... I think is a factor of bad writing yeah. rather than her... And poor direction as well, if David Ayer did any direction. Are you excited for the Suicide Squad? Because Davis is returning. Yeah, yeah, Davis, Davis is back. Davis is yeah, returning. Yeah, all the good characters are coming back. Margot Robbie, Jai Courtney, uh, Joel Kinnaman and Viola Davis. Yeah. Well, two out of the three Jays are good in that movie. Jai Courtney, Joel Kinnaman and Jared Leto is terrible. <laughs> it made me never want to watch another Jared Leto movie. You prepare, You know a bit about Viola Davis' background. I do, that? yeah. yeah, yeah. So she was born in 1965 in South Carolina. The, you know, the deep south. Uh, but she trained in acting in Rhode Island and the, ju- the very, very prestigious Juilliard School where Adam Driver went and one of my favourite comedic actresses, uh, Gillian Jacobs, went. Oh, yeah. Um, so she cut her teeth in theatre, uh, like most great character actors. Uh, this is where she won her Tony, Obie and Drama Desk Awards. Uh, she's had small roles in film and TV, like uh, like unnamed or uncredited roles, like nurse or uh, CIA director in four Steven Soderbergh movies yes. in like the er- yep. late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, then she really blew up in this decade where she won her Emmy, her Tony, uh, her Tony for Fences, which was a movie uh, I think you watched. Yes. But I didn't because I couldn't sit through two hours and 20 minutes of grey Oscar bait, uh, which, which is what it looked like to me. Um, You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, is it a movie? I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah, sort of. Yeah. A, we'll get into yeah. it. It was her birthday recently. Oh, August 11th. Yeah, happy so happy birthday. happy birthday, Viola Davis. If you ever listened to this, um, uh, she's an author, a children's author. She's an activist and a philanthropist. So mm-hmm. all in all, a good woman. Yeah, and an even better actress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird that Soderbergh really copped on quick to how yeah, yeah. great she was because he he was the one who caster in a lot of these yeah, author- yeah, yeah. authoritative roles that yeah. we're talking about because it's um, she's the parole board interrogator who interrogates Danny Ocean at the beginning of Ocean's Eleven mm, mm. and then she plays an astronaut in Solaris which is actually mm. quite a big role because yeah. that movie is sort of a chamber piece because it's yeah, all yeah, yeah. like five people on a spaceship yeah. uh, it's actually better than the Tarkovsky yeah. movie Ooh, controversial because it's not three hours long it's and you said minutes. this podcast was for cinephiles <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah and I think in um the other one, it's out of sight. She plays a named character. I don't think it's a figure of authority. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but I, uh, she really blew up after Doubt. Yes, Have you seen Doubt? Doubt? I have seen her scene in Doubt. It's incredible. Uh, but I know, uh, in fairness, Doubt, uh, when it came out in 2008, my parents watched it and told me what it was about. And it was like, it, like I'd seen stills from it. I'd never watched the trailer. Uh, I'd seen them watching it as well. And it just struck me as a very grey, drab film, which is... I think it is kind of about like a priest that may or may not have an inappropriate relationship with a young black boy in 1960s New York. And I think watching a grey drab film about a priest that may or may not be a paedophile, I think uh, kind of turned me off being Irish. Mm. Just having that, you know, image of a priest in your head is uh, not one that makes you want to watch a film about it. Totally. But did watching the Val Davis clip... Oh, the... That's that scene may have convinced me to actually watch the movie now. It is yeah, fantastic it's a fantastic movie. film or a fantastic scene even. Yeah. It's just till June. 
I'll throw your son out of this school. Why would you do that if it didn't start with him? Because I will stop this. You'd hurt my son to get your way. It won't end with your son. Throw the priest out then. I am trying to do just that. Then what do you want from me? It, it's, it takes so many turns because basically yeah. Viola Davis plays the mother of a young boy who Meryl Streep suspects that this male priest has been having um, inappropriate relations with and she confronts Viola Davis about it and Viola Davis it's a lot of things it's like an eight minute scene of their walk and yeah. Viola Davis is get, trying to get to work Yeah, and there are these like recurring things that keep turning out where at the beginning she thinks that the kid is in trouble and yeah. she keeps saying like yeah. it's only till June yeah, saying like if we can get the yeah, kid yeah. to this point because yeah. he's in primary school and I think he's yeah. moving into the American equivalent of secondary school. Yeah, and I think that that echoes throughout that scene because it's it's so tragic because uh, the kid is like she knows he's gay, his dad's abusive, he would have been beaten up in a normal school um, rather than the prestigious Catholic school, and it it'll echo throughout that character's life. I think like oh, if we can just get to June, if we can just get to college. If we can just get past college, if we can just get get to this point and this point and this point, and it's a real it's a real mother's love performance where it'll echo down through the years essentially until either tragedy strikes for him or she eventually passes on, right? Uh, is free, finally free from worry. Yeah. Yes, because what she is saying, what she's it's very disturbing to watch because yeah, what she, she's basically saying that I will let the priest continue to have relations yeah. with my son because at least. He seems to love him, and yeah. he's like an educated person. He yeah. can take him under his wing, and mm. that relationship can take him to like and a better place, like away from us. Yeah, to a to a degree in that relationship, compared to nearly every other relationship he's had in his life, except that with her, he's safe, mm. which is a really messed up thing to say when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. and that could be played as being like kind of neglectful and a bit mm. like she's yeah. like washing her hands of it, being like, as long as I don't know, because she sort yeah. of doesn't want to hear what Meryl Streep has to say. Yeah. But you don't get that at all. Like no. you feel her empathy. Yeah, you for really the feel kid. her love for her son. Yeah, yeah. and uh, she's one of uh, only five actresses to receive an Oscar nomination for a performance with less than ten minutes of screen time. Yeah, which is quite the feat. Yeah. And uh, Meryl Streep said that uh, she's arguably the most immediate responsive artist I've ever worked with. Uh, she said that when Davis got her star on the Hollywood Walk yeah. of Fame. Yeah. So game got to recognize game. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just it's a. I would imagine if anyone hasn't seen Doubt, just watch that eight minute scene and tell me that you don't want to watch yeah, the movie yeah. after it. And there's a great line in in that scene where um, she's she's saying like, uh, Streep is like, well, your son could get kicked out for this for drinking like communion wine, and she's like, she's trying to like voice the blame on the priest because ostensibly that's where it should go because it's not the boy's fault that he was given alcohol and she says like no problem with my son getting the blame and you know why that is and it just set, compounds all the like a lot of racial issues that it would be in other movies other weaker movies into this one scene never mind a scene into one sentence in a scene and that's what makes it so powerful I think Well, Davis is interested in showcasing how times have changed yeah. or whether it's the fact that a lot of the roles that are out there in like major Hollywood movies are only playing these sort of characters who are very put upon like black women in period movies yeah but um, she tends to often play these roles. Like um, I've written here, Far From Heaven, the Todd Haynes movie. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. That's the one. It's the ni- it's in the 90s. Isn't it? It's not set in the 90s, but it was made in the 90s, wasn't it? I think it was early 2000s. Early 2000. Julianne Moore and Dennis Quaid. Yes. Yeah. And he's gay. Yes. Yeah. And Julianne Moore finds out. Yeah. it's like this that's, a that's all I know. Beautiful <laughs> Douglas Sir tribute oh, uh, about. Oh. oh, man. I can't believe I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, man. You would love it. <laughs> Because uh, you're a huge yeah, melodrama fan. fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, this movie is... Yeah, it's all about racial tensions and about um, 
the homophobia of the time mm. and like the repression of that era and um davis plays dennis quaid and julianne moore's housekeeper yeah and it's almost like near silent performance but you get the sense of like her watching yeah you know and like yeah. seeing this marriage fall apart and yeah. it's only very she's in the movie a lot but it's like she it's sort of a tiny role in comparison yeah but um you know it's amazing to be in a todd haynes movie <laughs> like that and it, i think that's probably what led her to get bigger roles in doubt yeah you know yeah. and then in get on up she plays the mother, mother to james, james brown, brown. Yeah. Uh, yeah again i think another sort of small role but yeah. Very good in the movie, and she gets to do old age makeup as well because she oh, kind of great. comes out throughout yeah. his life. And uh, I watched a scene of that on you. I'd seen that when it first came out, but um, watching it again, like she's incredible in yeah. the movie too. And also the same person who directed Gannon Up made The Help. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I watched The Help, and I didn't love it. Yeah, I, was, I don't know. It's it's a bizarre movie because the tonal difference in that movie is. It sets me on edge to be honest because you have so many sunny, brightly lit scenes that are so full of like genuine comedy and then when you compare all the, those with Viola Davis's scenes who basically has no comedy to work with um, it's it's it paints a kind of bad picture to be honest of the movie because Viola Davis's scenes are so good but and so are the comedy scenes with like Jessica Chastain and Octavia Spencer and Octavia Spencer and Bryce Dallas Howard uh, or aka Jessica Chastain's uh, stunt double um, <laughs> that is crazy yeah. Yeah, they didn't cut that don't they <laughs> um, it almost feels like two different movies yeah, that, yeah that's a bit how I felt and I know it's based off a novel mm. actually when I was watching it I thought it was based on a true story and I was like oh uh-huh. it's great that they did this and then uh-huh. after I was very disappointed but yeah I, I always think when I see movies like Green Book and I see movies like The Help I can admire that I can acknowledge that they're like, yeah they're well put together movies yeah, and they're very yeah. good but I find that time so disturbing when yeah. Like the whole plot of the help is basically that the the maids who work for these rich white people in the south, even though they like do all their like basically prepare everything for these white so these white people have to do nothing. Yeah. The white people are still like, Oh no, you have to use a different toilet. You have yeah, to like yeah. go to toilet in the outhouse. That's mm. the whole movie's about. Yeah. And I find that so disturbing. Yeah, and like it builds on that uh, later on in the movie where like Spilo Davis has that kind of pivotal scene, pivotal scene where she reveals that her son was essentially crushed to death. He's just 24 years old, miscated best part of a person's life. Anniversary of his death Every year I can't breathe. But to y'all, it's just another day of bridge. You know, he was rescued from under whatever crushed him. And because, I can't remember why, the only nearby hospital was a whites-only hospital or something like that. And he, she basically watched her son, her son die by drowning in his own blood, essentially, on her, on her couch. Yeah, because they yeah. wouldn't do anything for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, so having that just opposed of all this comedy... Yeah, yeah. And, and I can acknowledge that the comedy, too. I think Jessica yeah. Chastain's hilarious. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Spencer's. It's the first movie I've seen Jessica Chastain be fun. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think she's yeah. an amazing actress, yeah. too. Yeah, didn't, the mix didn't yeah. sit right yeah. with me. And I also think that um, it focuses way too much on sort of tropes like the white savior yeah, I feel yeah like yeah. if Emma Stone's character came into the movie a bit later yeah. and was you didn't have scenes of her you know romantic yeah, yeah. love life yeah here's the movie the thing. would already be like twice as good yeah here's the thing do you think uh, the movie would be better if Viola Davis had more like comedy to do because I don't I don't see her do comedy very often I, I don't think it'd be a better movie for it she has that very funny scene where and her face just lights up mm. in the moment where she's talking about um, she one of her first kids that she was taking care of yeah. took a really good shining to her but couldn't get over the fact that she was black mm. and 
he's saying to her like why are you black why are you black and she says because oh because I drank too much coffee <laughs> okay and yeah. she laughs but that's the only time she laughs in the movie yeah. but it, it's those little moments like and I've seen interviews with Val Davis where she talks about her method mm. of um, acting where she says that every time she reads a script she um, starts to think in her head about um, everything about that character's life stuff that isn't on the page like yeah. what's their favourite colour what yeah. secrets do they have what were their family like all these information so that she thinks that when she gets you know into actually doing the scene it helps to fill in the gaps yeah. that maybe lesser scripts have mm. and I yeah, think that, that's, that's that's good method yeah exactly yeah. I, I think it's very intelligent and I feel that in the help like those little moments like her face like she doesn't smile the whole movie but in just this one moment her like face turns so bright yeah, yeah. that's sort of a disturbing story that yeah yeah it is yeah but that little moment makes you feel so much more invested in her character yeah. when she has the confrontational scene yeah. where she gives as good as she gets to Bryce Dallas Howard yeah. you know yeah and um, I think she has a, a similarish type of thing in Fences where Fences like I, I saw uh, an interview with her where she says that um She's talking about in Fences, she plays the kind of long-suffering wife to this uh, former uh, baseball player who had yeah. a promising career, but and a, he, was, he was a baseball player before World War II, and he couldn't oh, okay. get to the next level because he was black. And yeah. now his son, like 30 years later, wants to be a professional footballer, and people are saying like he's got a real chance to do it, like he could do it, and he won't let his son get involved in yeah. that because he's sort of bitter about yeah, his yeah. own past, mm-hmm. and you know sort of resents his son yeah, yeah. for getting the opportunities that he didn't have yeah I read and the plot on Wikipedia and it just sounds like toxic, toxic masculinity the film pretty much yeah. yeah but Val Davis plays his um, long suffering wife yeah. and she's talking about the role and she said like that was the role of womanhood in the 50s you were an instrument for everyone else's joy except for your own the 50s in America had the highest rate of alcoholism and depression there were whole manuals out there that were being passed out about how to make your husband happy put on makeup when he walks through the door after a long day of work don't weigh him down with any of your problems Asking about his problems, greet him with a smile, make sure the children are fed and they're clean, his favourite meal is on the table, and nowhere in that manual is anything about her joy and the centre of her happiness. Yeah. And while that character on paper could be quite thin, there are these scenes where like her and Dan Washington like barb with each other. Yeah. Or moments where it's just a look that she gives or something like that. And it, it just fills in like fills it's in that the fills yeah, in the blanks yeah. of that character. Yeah, there's the scene where um Dan Washington basically says that he's been cheating on her and that the person he's been cheating on her with is going to have a baby. Mm. And he's saying, like, I'm going to leave you. And Dan Washington has dominated the entire movie just mm. by his presence, by his words. And Viola Davis gets an opportunity, like, it's like a five-minute scene. Yeah. Just go at him. And it's electric. <laughs> and, like, she's the most she's the most expressive face in cinema, mm. I think. And she has, like, she's the best crier in movies. Like, the minute she cries, you just well yeah. up. I took all my feelings, my wants and needs and dreams, and I buried them inside you. I planted a seed and watched and prayed over. I planted myself inside you and waited to bloom. It didn't take me no 18 years to realize the soil was hard and rocky and it was never going to bloom. Yeah, she talks about how that she um, she felt that when she took Denzel Washington, like, she, she chose to marry Denzel Washington, that she was like planting a seed. And that she thought that the seed would blossom and grow mm. into something beautiful, but instead just withered and died. Yeah. And um, it's so impactful and powerful. And I have to say, the whole thing, like, Fences is another movie I'm not, I don't entirely love. I think it's some amazing writing. But yeah. if, and I know Denzel Washington did sort of a slight rewrite on the, on the August Wilson play it's based on. Yeah. I heard Spike Lee had a pass on it. It still feels quite stagey. Like, there's scenes yeah. that just go on and on <laughs> and on. And like I, I feel like Denzel Washington could have almost just filmed a version of the play on stage, and it would have been pretty yeah, much the exact yeah, same yeah. thing. But in these like seven minutes, you don't care about that. Mm-hmm. It's just electric. 
Um, is there any Living Vile Davis movies that you particularly enjoy and love? Any particular? Uh, well, Widows. Yes. Yeah, is the goat. The greatest right. of all time. And yeah. I think, as I said before, I think Widows is a movie where it blends these two things of being playing a character who there's so much like emotion boiling like under the surface sort of like in doubt yeah, and in yeah, fences yeah. and in the help yeah someone who's sort of living in the shadow of someone else and sort of has to mm-hmm. like hold on to her emotions yeah. yeah and over the movie you watch her make the transition to being yeah because in control the, yeah you know? at the start of the movie like obviously it's a film about widows essentially whose four husbands die uh four criminal husbands die while um pulling off pulling off a job and in order to pay back the man their husbands owe money to uh, Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Cynthia Erivo and Elizabeth Debicki all have to um, form essentially a criminal gang in order to get the money to pay back um, Brian Tyree Henry's Jamal yes. is his name. Yeah. He's incredible in the movie He's and will totally yeah. be a future I know that face yeah, yeah. subject. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta start thinking like professionals. We're in business together. There's not gonna be some cozy reunion. After this job, we're done. What's incredible about Viola Davis's uh, performance at the start of the film is that she's obviously a woman that has built up these emotional walls, especially because she's known quite a bit of tragedy and has been like locked into this life of crime by proxy her whole life. And so she's building up these emotional walls and her husband's death essentially causes them to crumble. And she's constantly trying to like just shore things up in her emotional life while trying to, you know, hold together her collapsing uh, physical life as well. I rooted for Viola Davis so much, yeah. even if she's not the most typically relatable character. Yeah, like she's weirdly unlikable. Yeah, she's yeah. icy. Yeah, she is sto- stoic and emotionally distant and icy, yeah. Oh, what I remember from Widows um, is that scene at the beginning of the movie where she is trying to stay in control. She's in the bathroom chuckling in the mirror yeah. and she just lets out this like blood-curdling scream yeah. and then immediately just gets back to normal yeah. and it's if she's just purged all her feelings yeah, into this yeah. like one like yeah. action because I think that character is like it's it's a character with essentially nothing left to live for except maybe her dog and trying to hold on to her quite affluent lifestyle that her husband has built up for them for her and himself but you know he's dead uh, or is he um, <laughs> and she's lost her son previously and so she's like essentially trying to find something to hope for basically and I think the end of the movie gets that quite well where um, like it's never clear what she's hoping for. I mean, she donates money to a library at the end of the film to uh, in, on the condition that it's named after her son. Um, and like it might be intentional that she's not that we don't know what she's hoping for. Um, like it could, it could be like is she ready to open up again to like finally live a life she never could because she's she's been a criminal's wife the whole time and, you know, essentially wasn't really able to. She was living this false life that he had built for her rather than living one she had chosen for herself, essentially. Mm. Yeah, and I think that it, her performance really gets that, strikes that nuance or walks that line of being able to, of having this like forced, very cold exterior and uh, when this very warm person obviously wants to get out inside. And I think the last line of the movie really gets that across very, very beautifully and very well. Mm. Do you think yeah. it's a theatre thing where people who cut their teeth in theatre that they become experts on their bodies and their faces and how they work and how much they can like pass out with Viola Davis characters I always feel that they are passionate about what they do yeah and the um they're you know that there is like still waters run deep yeah there is 
but she often plays very icy people. Mm. Yeah, there is always like a, a definitely an inner life to her characters. Like they all feel very lived in, especially like the likes of the one, the likes of the ones we've discussed today, because they all have like, like you said, world wariness in the case of uh, her character in Black Hat or Amanda Waller. Like they're always they're very very put upon characters, and but they all have like some semblance of warmth or kind of sympathy, no matter how small, in there. And I think that's what makes her so relatable and so good as an actress. Do you know what else I love about Val Davis is that when she does interviews, she doesn't seem to um, put on airs. Like, she's okay, very honest. Yeah. Like, I saw an interview with her where she says, like, yeah, I regret being in The Help. <laughs> <laughs> where um, I have this quote here where she said that, um, I just felt at the end of the day that it wasn't the voices of the maids that were heard. Um, yeah. I know... Um, um, Abeline, which is the character she plays, and I know Minnie, who's Octavia Spencer. They're my grandma, they're my mom. And I know that if you do a movie where the whole premise is, I want to know what it feels like to work for white people and to bring up children in 1963, uh, I want to hear how you really feel about it. I never heard that yeah. in the course of the movie. So she has to like make her name in these movies, which often feel a bit like compromises. And yeah, then yeah. with that, she can get uh, How to Get Away with Murder, you know? Yeah, basically, like yeah. Yeah. And um, I watched the pilot episode of How to Get Away with Murder to prepare for this. And um, yeah, it's the pulpy, long-running ABC series from Shonda Rhimes, who mm. made Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. And um wasn't my kind of thing, yeah. I think. But uh, Vaude Davis is the star of the show, and she plays a J.K. Simmons-esque in Whiplash. Oh, right. Yeah, criminal yeah. defense attorney. And she's also a professor who teaching, who's teaching a class to people who want to be lawyers yeah. in college called How to Get Away with Murder. Good morning. I don't know what terrible things you've done in your life up to this point, but clearly your comments out of balance to get assigned to my class. I'm Professor Annalise Keating, and this is Criminal Law 100, or as I prefer to call it, How to Get Away with Murder. Yeah, you definitely feel it wasn't made for cable. Okay. Like yeah, in the sense yeah. that um, it's very procedural. Uh, the acting aside from Davis is quite spotty. Okay, yeah. And uh, it, this is the thing that really drives me crazy in these shows is it doesn't have any faith in its audience. Basically, it starts off and these people are burying a body and they're like, what do we do with the murder weapon? And you see it's a trophy. Yeah. They're like, "How we, we, we clean it, we put the trophy back, no one will know. And then like 30 minutes into the episode, you like it keeps like flashing back to like what led to this event. Yeah. And Viola Davis is the teacher and she's like, whoever is the best in my class gets this trophy. And you see it's the same trophy yeah. and it does like five like quick cuts back to like the <laughs> bloody trophy. And I, I understand that it's that trophy. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, you find out who they're burying and it's someone who we've seen throughout the episode in flashbacks. Okay. And it does again like 10 cuts to like that guy throughout the episode. But um, I'd say every time Davis is on screen in it, it's really electric. Yeah. And playing a similar type of um, you know person in control, because it's TV, she gets yeah. like an opportunity to expand on that and you know play more emotions. Yeah, yeah. Like her character is having a steamy affair. Ooh. Which one of her students realizes. Aren't all, aren't all affairs steamy? No. Yeah. Yeah. Or sordid. <laughs> yeah. well, I've, never, I've never heard of it like a dry affair. Ooh. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Um, but like watching a scene like this, you start to realize how little on screen, you know, you get to see a black woman in her late 40s, early 50s play a lead role where yeah. they can be three dimensional people with yeah. exterior and interior lives. It's rare. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's talking about why she you know, chose the role of better character. And she says yeah. it's blowing the lid off everything that people say we should be, especially as a dark skinned woman, that you, that you can't be sexual, that you can't be you can't be unlikable. You can be angry, but with no vulnerability. You can't be damaged, can't be smart. It blows the lid off all of it. And even if it's not executed all the time in the ways that people like, it doesn't matter. What matters is that she's out there. That's yeah. it. She's out there. She's on screen. She's making an impact. Yeah, I remember, yeah. yeah, I remember um, 
just doing a bit of research on Viola Davis and I found out that uh, for 2017's Time 100 Most Influential People, uh, Meryl Streep wrote the article about her. And she, she said uh, her importance in the culture, her ability to identify it, her willingness to speak about it and take on a responsibility for it is what marks her for greatness. She also said she's carved herself on the Mount Rushmore of the 21st century, which is a great quote. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Because yeah. like Meryl Streep, best actress. Yeah. And ever. now best time journalist. <laughs> There's nothing she can't do. Mm. I love that Onion article that's like... Uh, Meryl Streep uh, cannot be judged by a jury because she has no peers. <laughs> Val Davis. Yeah. They, they oh, again, yeah. Draft her yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. Draft her in, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel a bit bad for Val Davis in the sense that um, she talks about she loves Reese Witherspoon, but mm. she says that um, it's great that Reese Witherspoon can say, like, I use my own money for my movies, uh, but I don't have Reese Witherspoon money. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, And she says here, like, as much as I'm on the A-list, it still requires a big white male or female star for me to even get a movie deal. And I'm not saying that with a lack of gratitude for the position I'm in. I'm not mm. complaining. It's absolutely an honest observation. Yeah. There are very few black females spearheading the movies. That's not because we can't, but still fight. Viola Davis was raised in what she described as abject poverty. Yeah. So Where was she from again? She was born in South Carolina, but she moved to Rhode Island. Right. Yeah, okay. and lived in rat-infested apartments, horrible stuff. She like she was stealing from the local store just to eat. It's wow. a really horrible childhood. So it's having to just build the skills as an actor exactly, to like, work yeah, your way yeah, out yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so impressive. And it'd be able to draw from that experience as well and still maintain like a professional, a healthy work-life balance. So on that note, I think we'll leave it there. So second episode will be on Mia Goth. Hopefully, yeah. Third episode will be on Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, let's get you, gothic. It better be. It better be. Okay, all right. All <laughs> right, Stephen. Yeah. And uh, on that note, we'll say see you later, Cinephile. Bye-bye, guys. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.